Comedy LOL Podcast Network. Giz, put the bottle down, Giz. It's not the answer. Hey, everybody. Today's quote is, in our society, it is not those who suffer that are weak, but those who fear suffering. And that is by psychologist Arno Gruen. Um, I really relate to this. I am currently going through a grief process and, um, or the grief process, if we want to call it that. And, uh, I think a lot of times there is this trying to take yourself out of it and move on immediately and trying to forget about it. And that doesn't make you a stronger person that in fact makes you weaker because you haven't acknowledged that you're hurt. You haven't acknowledged what has happened. You haven't been able to grow and evaluate. And I think that there's such an a, adverse reaction to having like quote unquote negative feelings like sadness or weakness. And the reality is like, you need to identify those things to be able to move on. Yeah. Like they say, the first, uh, denial is the first step that you have to overcome or whatever. Denial ain't just a river in Egypt. Mm-hmm. It's funny. <laughs> I was just thinking about how before the podcast started, Ashley's like, I've been listening to the podcast and we've been sounding really smart. And then I'm like, <laughs> I'm about to sound stupid because I can't remember what I wanted to say. But, yeah, no, I think that's that's for sure. Um, whenever whenever you suffer, and we always talk about this on the podcast, it's really about looking within. And that's the hardest thing to do because I find in my own life, most of, most of my life up until, like, I guess the past maybe year or a couple of years I've been looking into this, basically when something bad or shitty would happen, I'd just be like, oh, whatever, and just, like, stamp it deep down and not try to deal with it if I didn't have to or mm-hmm. just get through it and now I'm finding uh that and I, you know that's that could be valuable I think that's the thing too because every you know in, in when people try to tell you whenever people try to give you advice or tell you things like we're talking about psychology everyone's like it's this or that one way or the other or in a lot of things in life everyone's like it's one way or another I think it could be both so I'm not saying that you should demonize this quality I think it's a valuable tool to have. Sometimes you need to shut off emotion. If something happens, you know, like if you're somewhere and like someone's having a heart attack or, you know, some crazy emergency happens, sometimes you have to shut it off and you just have to uh, deal with it to help people out because a lot of people, um, you know, are just going to like lose their mind. So it's a valuable tool to have. But like anything else, you have to you have to know when to use it. So it's better to experience that emotion, I find, in my life and let it wash through me and feel it. And, um, you know, I find that it, then I don't have to store it. I could just let it go. And then, then I can laugh at it. Actually. That's what I usually do. Well, and I think that there's also, you know, eventually you can get to the point where you can laugh at it, but I think that if you don't acknowledge it, it's going to come out some other way. Yeah, that's very true for sure. And again, it's like very hard to, it's hard to go through those types of things. Like I said, no one wants to feel that kind of stuff. No one wants to ever show weakness, but I think it's a really strong person who can say like, I look, I'm not perfect at everything. I do need help because the person who never asked for help is probably so stressed and making themselves sick and worried or anxious or something like that. And it's just for what, 
do you think anyone sitting at home being like that person's so strong? They're not. No one gives you a second thought. I think that's the biggest thing I've realized. <laughs> Nobody cares. We yeah, care. pretty much. That you know, that's what we care. We here at the Terrible Podcast. <laughs> we care, right? so listen to our podcast. Share it around with our friends. If you're a new listener, hey, thanks for listening. Um, we haven't really explained what we do exactly in a while. So if you're a new listener, this is what we do. We are going through all of the tarot cards. We started with the suit of cups back in like late May. So if you can go back late May 2019 and check that out. And we all got finished with all the cups and now we're on the swords. And actually today we're doing the last card of the swords. Um, and then after we do the card that we normally talk about, then we'll talk about another card from a different deck. And then we do something special. Originally, we were talking about the major arcana originally when we started this podcast, but we've been through all those. So now we are just on to talking about numbers. So today we're going to be talking about the number seven, right? Or six. Oh, I'm sorry. Six. I'm getting ahead of myself. And we're talking about what card are we talking about today, Ashley? We're talking about the Knight of Swords. Awesome. It's the Dark Um, Knight of the Soul of Swords. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So what we normally do is I'll give a brief description of the card, what it looks like. Then we go into our initial thoughts, um, look into the different aspects of the card, and then we go into how it would apply to different types of readings. So my description of this card is there is a kind of royal blue background. Shout out to Pantone's Color of the Year 2020 Classic Blue. Um, if you don't understand what I'm talking about, don't worry. <laughs> and so there's a blue background and there's like these like jaggedy type of white clouds kind of coming diagonally from the top uh, right hand side down to lower on the left hand side. Um, the figure is front and center and it's a figure in motion. The horse has its front hooves off the ground. It's a white horse with like a blue bridle and uh, it looks like a blue saddle. And the knight is on top of the horse wearing armor with like an orangey cape helmet, raising the sword up in the right, his right hand. And it looks like he's on a combine, like he looks like he's on um, like almost like deserty type of landscape, like brownish rocks. And then you see two kind of slanty trees off in the bottom left-hand side of the card. If you want to see what the card really looks like, look at our Instagram at terrible two T A R O T B U L L and the number two. So you can actually see what we're talking about here. Okay. Initial thoughts. What did you think? I love this card. This card is just a card of action. He's charging in. He has a sword up. The horse is just going for it. So this card really is just a card of action to me. That's what it's saying to me. So it's a card of getting things done and, um, you know, fighting for what you believe in. Um, I agree. I said that it was like movement and literally because of the way the horse is kind of jumping, I said it's overcoming obstacles or hurdles in that if you think about like if you were to ride horses, you know, you can go over these little jumps and things like that. And that's kind of what the horse looks like. Um, And like you lean forward, I guess I I don't ride horses frequently um, to kind of. To, to push forward and then, you know, you have to land softly. But that's what I'm, I'm looking at. I'm looking at movement and overcoming obstacles. So there's a whole bunch of things for us to talk about here. Um, I think the first thing I want to talk about is the horse itself. What were your thoughts when you looked at the horse? Uh, it's another white horse. Yes. So I like that. But this horse is airborne also. He's not touching the ground. Well, to us, he doesn't look like he's touching the ground. So... Um... And he's fully in motion. His mane's even like flapping in the wind. So it's similar to the the white horse we saw. What was that in the death card, right? Kind of that purity, mm-hmm. that pure mm-hmm. message. 
But instead, I think before I was saying how that message is just standing there because it, it's just being recognized, something to that effect, like it didn't have to be flaunted. This is kind of like if you're going to take white as purity or truth, this is like speaking that truth, getting out forward and um, displaying it to people and even going at maybe ideas that are false that, you know, are false, you know, speaking truth to that. Mm hmm. I said, uh, again, going back to like, yes, the purity part of the white horse, but I almost said that um, it's higher off the ground. And that is saying that um, it's kind of this will guide you in the right way. Being having those pure thoughts, being pure hearted will help you overcome any of the things that might be on the ground. We don't see what's on the ground. Right. We only kind of see the background and this horse is able to kind of overcome those things. And maybe because it is, there is that purity there and there's that lack of being jaded or influenced by anything else. Yeah, definitely. And in the um, fact that it's off the ground, you can also look at it in the negative sense. If you want to look at this card negatively, that this person isn't grounded. So mm -hmm. maybe if it came either reversed or just for some reason, if you were getting a negative reading, you could tell the person, listen, it's sometimes you rush in with ideas but, you know, these ideas aren't, <clears throat> excuse me, they're not grounded. You're just like flying off the handle here. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now let's go to, I, I do want to actually talk about like the, like the bridle that the horse has on um, and the, almost like the saddle part. Did you have any thoughts there? Yeah, I think it's the, well, first of all, it looks like there's some kind of like banner hanging off the bridle or the um, reins, I'm sorry, that he's holding. Mm-hmm. Right under the horse's head. And if you look closely, those could be birds. And there's five of them. And then there's also five birds in the sky. Oh, you know what? I didn't even see the birds in the sky, if I'm being honest. Yeah. So I don't really know. You know, that could also represent because swords represent air and the birds are in the air and they're flying through the air. And he's maybe it represents that control that we talk about with the number five, you know, like at the Hierophant, that self-control. So it could lean to that what were you thinking i also i like that front chest piece like the blue with the cardinals on it well yes okay so if i'm looking at that right then yes you're right there's this little banner it does look like the bir traditional birds that you would draw on a painting like if they were like far away so you kind of do it like a little letter m but then i'm looking at the part of his saddle and there are red birds on there and there's also yellow butterflies. And I love what you said about being airborne and kind of this is like this air quality is kind of covering the horse in the parts that would be needed to control it or be able to ride it and utilize it. Um, so for me, maybe there's then that logic attached to that in order to be able to overcome those things. What I do like is if you look kind of right by his ear, that piece that's connecting like the what would be like the bit or the bridle part, it's a heart. And I kind of like that it's it's right by where his brain would be to show that kind of maybe there is a balance there between heart and mind. Yeah, I like that. I didn't even notice that. Um, And so what were your thoughts on the fact that it was blue? The uh, strap around the horses. What did you think about that? Honestly, because it was the same. Colors. Yeah, it looks kind of very similar to me in terms of the same colors like the sky. And again, just kind of tying it into that that air aspect, especially because he is airborne. That being said, you know, the entire sky isn't that color blue. It's more of the above portion, which again gives that like higher than kind of um, 
earthly, I mean, heavenly type of inspiration. Because if you look at the bottom part of the card, underneath the horse, the sky is white. Yeah, which is so, still that purity, but the blue is, I think, tying into like that kind of going up towards the heavens, being inspired, kind of having that like blessing, the grace of God, if you will, in making decisions and moving forward. That's way better than what I was going to say. <laughs> kind of like the deep blue sky. Um, what did you have? What about so we're talking about colors now. What about his cloak being red and then all the birds being on his cloak that are like black or charcoal? Um, so the card I'm looking at, it's the, the birds kind of look bluish. I said that was a really nice, um, kind of switch from what you might think. Um, the red giving the, again, it's like a very powerful color and it's not something I normally gravitate towards. I like that the birds are the, all, like the inverse of that. Um, whereas on the part on like the saddle, you see it's a red bird and then it's the blue birds there or the gray or charcoal birds. Um, and I, for me, it was like, just not picking out one specific type of like air animal it could encompass all different types of animals and each animal you know how um maybe you don't but there's like a potential when you're thinking about animals that each animal has like a trait or characteristic associated with it like owls are wise and lions are brave or something like that and I like the idea of there being various types of animals there because it kind of gives those traits back to the knight yeah yeah he's he's um symbolizing them by literally wearing them on his clothes mm-hmm. as you were saying yeah yeah it's like anthropomorphization when they kind of give animals human traits yes. but, yeah occultists though very a lot of symbolism like lions especially stuff like that birds butterflies we talk about that all the time so yeah and i i, I like to add that with the red it kind of reminds you the action of the fire getting things done mm-hmm. um and also that alchemic stage when we talk about alchemy the rubido stage and that's the it's the burning off of the impurities by the fire so he's out there literally with his action doing that he you know he knows knew what he had to do and he's out there getting it done mm-hmm. and i think that's also symbolized with the red feather too same kind of thing and then i did want to point out like uh his armor um he has a glove on in his right hand and he's not or in his left hand he's not wearing a glove in his right hand and um for me that was symbolic of that let's say call it like the sword of truth and he didn't need a cover there he needed to have that physical actual contact with his own skin um to maybe perhaps utilize it or carry it or use it to strike and hold it yeah or even to be bonded to it better. Mm-hmm. And then if you look at the rest of his armor, I'm looking like almost at his knees. You can see there there's like a little wing and it looks like almost like a little, it looks like a horn, but it could be maybe like a talon on his foot that's in the um, stirrup. And then on his elbow that's holding the sword, to me those just look like feathers, just like it looks like feathers at his left shoulder as well. Um, And it, it just looks like he's kind of clothed in these these air-like qualities. Yeah, but I love that it's armor, though, because we you always think about um, the crab and anything in the shell. So it has a hard exterior, but then the soft interior. Mm-hmm. So they're still giving you that. And kind of, you see the same thing a little bit with the heart. You were talking about the horse's head. You give a, a little bit of that emotion in there, too, which is nice. Oh, and just playing off of that, you know, in order for something to be airborne, in order for it to be able to fly, it has to be incredibly lightweight. 
So you have these animals that might look like incredibly heavy. So you'll see an owl and you'll be like, that must be so heavy. But the reality is the owl is only a couple pounds because otherwise it wouldn't be able to fly. And I love the fact that the armor you would think of as being very heavy, but you see this figure as being airborne. Yeah, exactly. So maybe it's like some super alien technology, some crazy Teflon. Or he's being... He's being guided by something kind of outside of him and that's allowing him to to get that air and and get that height and be able to distance himself from the earth. Perfect. And if I'm looking at this, to be honest, just like the last thing I think I want to say about him or whatever, it it feels very um, religious. And honestly, I don't know if it's just because I took a class on the Crusades, but it almost seems like a crusader. In terms of, like, going to fight Mm -hmm. something that he clearly believes in. If you look at his mouth, it's, like, open. I can imagine him doing some kind of, like, war cry or something like that. He doesn't just look like, woohoo, you know? He looks like, charge! Like, that's what I'm seeing. This movement towards overcoming something. (laughs) Like the rebel yell? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah, like, so he's fully engrossed in this cause. I like Mm -hmm. that. Um, Okay, Uh, let's look at the trees. Did you have any thoughts on the trees? Um, well, I like how it's kind of the only life that you see. Other than that, it looks like it's a barren landscape. Mm-hmm. So, and he's going toward that. So this could represent him coming out of maybe a stage of like coming out of the underworld. If you think about how the Egyptians viewed it, where it's like the dark night of the soul. Like I said in the beginning, where you're going through this um, period of self-discovery and um, it's kind of like a dark time. It's like you're doing the shadow work. So he's coming out of that, though. He's coming out of the desert, and he's just starting to reach the first part of life. So he's very enthusiastic. He's ready to go. Or the, I'm sorry, the per, the first signs of life. He's starting to see them. So he's ready for battle. What do you think? I said that I honestly it wasn't necessarily uh, an interpretation of the trees. It was more of like their direction. It kind of looks like since they're so skinny, like they're being blown by the wind. Mm-hmm. And... um. That could potentially be the reason why the horse's mane looks the way it does or why his feather looks the way it does on his and his helmet. But I said that if there's this wind that's capable of bending these trees, you don't see that wind stopping him from that movement. Yeah, he's heading right into the storm. So that's perfect. So Mm -hmm. you can even look at it as the clouds are kind of portraying that and the birds are kind of flying away from it. And he's heading right in, charging right into the storm. Mm -hmm. So it's great. Okay, and did you think anything about the ground itself that he is kind of hovering over? Well, I did notice it looks like there's a shadow, so it looks like he could be casting a shadow over the um, the ground. But other than that, it just looks like a desert, like barren wasteland. And mm-hmm. maybe he also looks like he could be jumping over a chasm or some kind of like um, rift or something. Okay, mm-hmm, I agree. And I liked the kind of fact that there was no, with the exception of those two trees, there was no green or anything like that, because I feel like that gave it more weight that he was trying to get over whatever it is. To me, it just looks like overcoming desolation or maybe something that's negative, right? He wants to fly over that. And then maybe on the other side of this card to the left, there's like this green lush garden or something like that and he's trying to go over there to get a drink or or I don't know but it's like 
trying to avoid this desolation and this um, barren landscape. Yeah, and it also could show the different seasons and the way that everything changes. You know, like you said, he's coming out of the barrenness, but he's starting to finally see signs of life. Mm-hmm. So it's just the cycles of life. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about on this card before we move on? No, I think I'm good at this point. Okay, cool. So let's say that this came up in a general reading. What would you say? I would tell the person that it's time to take action. This is a card of action. So you're either in the process of taking that action, or maybe this is telling you that you need to take that action. And kind of like I said before, if it came reversed or if you're thinking about it in a negative way, we could say that, you know, sometimes you have to be grounded. This person's just charging right into battle. And like you said before, they're fully engrossed in this idea. But is this idea an idea that came from within or is it an external idea that they picked up by watching, you know, too much TV? And then they're like, yes, this is right. And it's just a an ideology that was created somewhere <laughs> to control your mind. So we have to be conscious of this and wary of this. Uh, what about you? Would you say? I said that looking at this, um, I agree. It's a card of movement. It's a card of action. And I think a lot of times if someone is looking to have a reading, it's, for the most part, if it's not like a daily reading, it's not like a card of the day pick or something like that. I would say it's because they want answers to potentially some questions. And so I think that this is a movement and kind of in that that direction of either kind of they know what they need to do, um, but it's like giving them the authority to kind of pursue it. On the flip side of that, I would say that, you know, um, the best generals or the best fighters don't go into a battle blind and not saying that any decision you make is going to be a battle, but I'm saying that you need to lay the groundwork for success. So don't kind of jump the gun. If you're getting the answer from the card to do one specific, pick one specific pathway, make sure you're setting yourself up for success there and not just jumping in and be like, that's what I'm going to do. And all of a sudden it's going to work out. It's like, no, you need to make sure you've done your part to help make sure it works out. If that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely does. Any kind of team effort, a lot of times, you know, people always, there's always one person that ends up working harder, one that does less. So, yeah, this is kind of like, listen, get your ass in gear and get out there. If we want to win, we all have to be this guy charging in with this belief and this fierceness. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's say that this card came up in a love reading. What would you say? Why don't you go first? Okay, so I, you know, I normally like to d- divide it up into a, if this was for a single person or if this was for a person in a relationship. If it was for somebody in a relationship, I'd say it's the movement of the relationship, uh, either to maybe ending the relationship, you're trying to get out, out of that, or it's like you need to kind of invest a little bit more time into making this be successful. Um, and, you know, again, if you want something to be successful, you have to lay the groundwork for that. That's something that's kind of a hard pill for me to swallow currently. Um, if you're single, I'd say that a lot of times I think there's a, a search for um, a potential mate or something like that. Most people are like, I want to know about my love life. And I think that you need to set yourself up for success. I think I see, well, not that I think I see, I see so many memes that I think are so funny where it's like, I want to be social. And then it's like, doesn't answer texts, doesn't answer calls, doesn't leave my house. And it's like one of those, you know, if you're looking to expand your social circle, 
or expand, you know, the people that you know and experience new things, you do need to get out and do things. And there needs to be a movement towards that. Um, and there's not again, so he's a knight. When I think of a knight, I normally think of there being an army associated with it. And in the card, you see him alone. And I don't think there's anything wrong with maybe going out and experiencing things alone because that sets you up for success for meeting people. Just my own personal thoughts there. Okay, what did you think? Well, I wanted you to go first off, that was great. Thank you. <laughs> I hope you're like, yeah, but well, whatever, whatever. Uh, yeah, so, but I, I just wanted you to go first too because I wasn't sure if you're going to be like, I wanted to say knight in, knight in shining armor, but I didn't want to like steal your thunder if that's what you were going to say. Brandon, I am so not at a point right now in my life where I believe that there is a knight <sighs> in shining armor. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, touche. Uh, I, I think, um, yeah, no, I love what you said there, faux show. And I think, though, that I could say this because I was talking about before how this knight is, he, you know, we were talking about how he believes in this cause and he, this cause is a cause for himself and how I was talking about before, how he's wearing the red. So it's like that alchemical stage. He's getting that self-knowledge. So I think you could look at it in a way. If you want, similar to how you said, you know, people will say, I want to go out and I want to meet people, but then they don't answer texts and they don't do these things. It's because they're saying one thing and then their actions are doing another. So internally they have this divide and they're confused. And that's what the problem is, I think, a lot of times in a relationship or even if you are single. So I think this could signify that charge, leading that charge to realizing that in, in, um, getting to know yourself better so this way you could align your thoughts and your emotions and your actions all together mm-hmm. to create the reality that you want. So that's what I would say. Or Knight in Shining Armor, whatever, either one. <laughs> and when you say Knight in Shining Armor, what are your, like, how do you define that? Oh, I'm just saying that because it's a saying that you hear. Um, I don't really think that somebody should look for another person to come in and save them and be the one to take them away from all their problems. You know, we talk about that all the time. Uh, not that somebody else can't help you, but you got to help yourself first. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because the problem is what if that person goes away for whatever reason it is, you know, uh, say if they're really, a, they're not, a, do you think they're a knight in shining armor? They're putting on the show, but they're really like a D bag and they screw you over. Yeah. And you're screwed, you know, so, you know, everyone dies. So if they die before you, then you're all screwed. You know, I'm not saying you shouldn't miss anybody or, or be sad if these things happen, but you still need to have that pillar within yourself that you can rely on because then you never have to worry about, you know, if you are ever deceived, fooled or tricked or things are taken away from you, you can still rely on yourself. And then being that better person you could be a better friend for other people and then more people will want you to be their friend. And then you could actually choose, you know, mm-hmm. the people you should be friends with and associate with if they're like-minded. Um, okay. Let's say now let's, let's move into, if this came up in a career focus reading, what would you say? This, uh, I, I would say pretty much what I said with the other, uh, with the romantic reading. Um, mm-hmm. but I could, I'll adapt it to say more that, this is leading the charge where, you know, if you're not in the career or if you're not in the life path that you want to be in, you deep down, you know it. So this is 
after you realize that, the second that you realize that, you become this knight because you're charging, you know, you're charging at changing that. You're charging at your path. Ultimately, you're you're turning away. Even if you have to continue to work in the job you're in to figure it out, you're still taking the step toward your path. So technically, that's the first step you're taking really to be on your path. So I would say that that's what this recon- uh, what this represents, but it's more of charging head on into it and going for it. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, as I discussed last week, I, I've been watching the show The Good Wife. And I don't want to have this turn into like a Good Wife podcast. Hi, guys. Welcome to the Terrible Good Wife podcast. <laughs> We're talking about. But one of the things that they bring up in um, the first and second season is uh, the recession. The show came out in like 2008 or something like that. And I don't really remember that. And it didn't really influence my life because at the time I was still in school. Um, But I think what you said is so important of like, if you're not in the right career path, people often know it. And it's like, we're not. So this is is the point I'm trying to make about bringing up the good wife and the recession is that it's not like we're in a time of recession right now where it's like any job is the best job you can have because you just need to have a job and there's not a lot of jobs out there. I think that a lot of times people can forge their own path and make it work. And where there's a will, there's a way, not always, right? If I wanted my job to be princess, that's not going to necessarily be a reality for me at this point in time. But that being said, I think that if you have a little bit more of a reality based, um, you have more reality based aspirations, you can kind of make that work and there's nothing, the only person that tells you you can't do something in terms of a career path or something you choose that to do or that you want to do is you. So, you know, you have to make sure that you're putting in the effort to set yourself up for success, to move towards that goal. And sometimes, look, we all have to do shit we don't want to do. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you become complacent and you stay in a job that you hate, like Alex, my twin sister and I often always say like, you get one life if you believe that. And it's like, why would you waste your time doing that? And then that being said, I'd said if this was a career path, it's something that's a little bit more fast paced than something that would be a little bit slower. So something that kind of changes and moves quickly. So I said maybe something like um, political in terms of like working on a campaign. Again, we're tying in my good wife here or maybe like Wall Street um, or like a trader or something like that. Um, you think of some jobs like when I think of a librarian, I don't think of like a fast paced work environment. I think of, you know, maybe a little bit slower, but this is going to be something a little bit quicker and, and you have to stay on your toes. Um, maybe even like a comedian, right. Or an improv artist, if you will. Yeah. I mean, there's so many different avenues you can go. And like you said, now is definitely the best time. We're at the peak of this digital age. And I mean, I, you know, (laughs) Unfortunately, though, I see some of it going away. It seems like there's like a lot of censorship and it's not as free as it used to be. And that's really depressing because I feel that the wild, wild west of the Internet is over in that respect. Because I remember I used to listen to shows or we even used to do podcasts back in the day. We could just talk about whatever we wanted pretty much. And now it's really crazy. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Scary. Not that we've really talked about controversial things, but now I go to search for things I used to watch and they're gone. Mm -hmm. No, it's crazy. But, um, as I digress, yeah, definitely. If you want to get in, get on your path, do it, man. What the hell are you waiting for? Mm -hmm. Um, okay. Any final thoughts here on this card before we move on? No. What about you? I just love the movement. And I think that, 
what my maybe my final thoughts would be is that despite there being a, a lot of movement in the card and we talked about kind of like obstacles and moving on and things like that, there's nothing wrong with sometimes staying still. I think a lot of the cards do showcase that idea, but I think there needs to be a nice balance. There's a change between complacency and laziness and knowing when to make the right move. Think about like a game of chess, right? You don't normally start off moving the queen, I guess. I honestly really don't know because I don't play chess, but I'm going to guess you don't. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, yeah. Spot on. <laughs> I did it. Okay. Go chess. So, <laughs> um, so um, now what we're going to do is look oh, at... Oh, just really quick to add to that. Yeah. That is because if you think about the last card, which was the queen of swords, she's on a throne. And so, so is the king of swords. So, yes, movement is definitely a big part of this and the noticing the rhythm of it, that there's a pattern, you know, you have movement, you have stability. And that's kind of how, if you start to look at these cards and you start to pattern your life after what they tell you, if you Mm -hmm. use them as, you know, symbolically, that's part of it. You know, that there is a cycle. Sometimes, like you said, you got to move. Sometimes you got to stand, you got to know when to hold them. You got to know when to fold them. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Poker and chess, two of my favorite things. Mhm. Mhm. Um okay, so now we're going to look at a different interpretation of the same card. It's from a different deck, and what I like about this part of our podcast is it shows that there can be different interpretations of the same card based on the illustration and and kind of the meaning behind the theme of the deck. So Brandon normally gives the description here, and we just give our initial thoughts. All right, everybody. Today we're talking about the Knight of Swords in the Alistair Crowley Thoth deck. That's T H O T tarot deck you can get one of those if you want by going to comedylol.com which is our website click on the amazon link and then buy it and you can actually do all your shopping that way through amazon and we'll get a piece of it and it won't cost you any more but anyway i'm going to go into the description of this card it center of the card there's a man on a horse he's wearing all green looks like it could be green armor with some sort of helmet that comes to a point and out of this point, it looks like there are there's like a very bright star with maybe some kind of wings emanating. They look like they could be like fly wings you'd see like on a house fly. Um, now the horse is flying through the sky with this rider on him. The rider has both of his arms forward with two swords extended. And if you're looking at the car, it looks like they're going downward. So the horse and the rider are pointing downward. And there's three birds under them. And in the background... Looks like it's just like a blue sky with some chemtrails going through it, everybody. Chemtrails! Uh, looks like there's some some smoke going through there. And um, I think that's about it. Check it out. Go to our Instagram at Terrible, T-A-R-O-T-B-U-L-L, the number two, and you could see a picture of it. So what were your initial thoughts? Okay. Um, Looking at it, to be honest, the first time I saw it, I was like, what am I even looking at? And um, it looks, you know what it really honestly reminds me of? The scarab in Aladdin when uh, Jafar takes the two pieces and puts them together and it flies to the Cave of Wonders. Um, 
I was like, wow. Um, but that's when I'm looking at it, that's what it looks like to me, like an insect. And then I got a little bit deeper because honestly, just going back to the insect part of it, um, an insect has normally six legs. And if I'm looking at it, you can see the two horse legs, like the two hind legs up at the top. And then you don't really see the knight's legs. I just see his arms. That would be four. And then the two front hooves and would give it six. So it gives like a very insect like quality for me. Um, again, an airborne animal. Um, and then the star part of it looks like the wings, um, a t uh, pair of wings. Um, so that's what I see when I look at this initially. I love that he's kind of leaning forward because it gives this illusion that he was higher, higher up at one point. Um, and I, I love that it looks like he's like coming to crash down and not going to just like, he, he's not taking shit from anybody. He's like ready to go, ready to, to, you know, overtake something or defend his country or tribe or family. Yeah, I like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's, there's a lot of similarities between this card and the the Rider Way card that we just talked about. It looks like this is just like an update, you know, like this is a mm -hmm. modernization of it. So maybe some kind of fantasy or, uh, you know, like future space fight with horses, you know, like some, uh, what is that, Buck Rogers or, um, no, Flash Gordon. Yeah, sorry. Mm -hmm. Like Flash Gordon craziness going on. Um, and I love what you said about the insect because I didn't even notice that. But all I noticed is that the wings look like an insect. So, yeah, that's perfect. It looks like a, a termite or like a flying ant or something. Mm hmm Which is kind of crazy because... You, I would associate those, well, I guess, yeah, they are airborne, so I guess that's how we can look at it, because maybe if you look at kind of like the butterfly, too, because that's an insect, because I was thinking, like, bugs come out of the ground, but mm -hmm. they are airborne airborne bugs. Um, and then the background can also look like water, too, so it could give it a little bit of that emotional quality, like a waterfall, you know, kind of like they're flying over it. Yep. And, um, and I, I love, so I love that kind of description um, because when I think of an insect, I think a lot of times it can be overcome by water because especially if it gets on their wings, it can be very hard for an insect to get out of water, but it almost looks like it's flying through it. And I love um, the coloration here. The green gives me that earthly aspect of, of the, the night, but the horse, it's not white, it's almost golden, which for me, it gives the, the symbolism of like, this is... I don't want to say like the right path, but like, you know, he's clearly in my head. It's like, he's clearly going to win. Number one yeah. is gold. You know, those are also my initials. Everyone AU on the uh, periodic table. That is the symbol for gold. Oh, dripping oh, yeah. in gold. Mm -hmm. Go for yeah. the gold. <laughs> <laughs> I also think that even if he, even if he isn't victorious, he'll still be victorious in the fact that he died doing what he was supposed to do. It's kind of like in the Bhagavad Gita where they say it's already laid out. It's your dharma. You're just doing it. So even if we're not talking about like, a, you know, we're talking about metaphorical death, it's it's just what was meant to happen. He was it was a good death, as they say at the end of uh, a river runs through it. He had a good death. Um, look it up. It's crazy. Great. Great reference there for those of you seen Brad Pitt movies. Um, also, though, I'd like to point out that his armor now, we're not talking about Brad Pitt, we're going back to the card here, Knight of Swords, <laughs> Thoth deck. Uh, his armor is green, but yes, there's a lot of yellow, too. 
And so it kind of reminds me of like a fruit that's ripening. So he's not, he might be kind of new, kind of green, but not totally. You know, he's got some experience and he's gaining more by what he's doing. And I think that just could go back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, being um, if I'm thinking about someone trying to be successful in um, a fight or something, you want to set yourself up for success. I'm not going to challenge somebody to a fight where it's like I haven't even prepared. I'm not ready. I was watching. Oh, look at me. Like tying in all these things. It's like I was watching a Hallmark Christmas movie last night. (laughs) (laughs) And this guy was like okay, we're going to have a fight in this alleyway, which is totally anti-Hallmark normally. And he's like, whoever wins, if you win, you get to take this bike, which was supposed to be like the Tickle Me Elmo. <laughs> Look at that reference. <laughs> Blast from the past. Um, he's like, if you win, you get the bike. If I win, I get the bike. And he goes back there, and the guy is like this huge guy, and it's like this little scrawny guy that challenges him. He just picks up a trash can and just hits him across the face. He's like, he's bigger than me. So I'm, I'm going – anyway – I'm thinking if I'm going to go and fight someone, if I want to try to overtake another group or want to be victorious, I need to put in the work to make sure that I've done everything I can to be victorious. And I think sometimes there's like this naivete with somebody when they go into something. I'm like, no, I'll be fine. It's like you don't even understand the amount of work sometimes that goes into being a victor or being a winner. For I'm sure. tying in my old background of being an athlete anyway. Um a the golden last... athlete, everybody. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> number one. Number one. Anyway, um, if I'm looking at this card, the other thing I just wanted to point out was that the horse is over the three birds in the bottom right corner. Um, and it, again, just gives it that impression for me of like, even though this is so much heavier, right? I already talked about the idea of birds being lightweight and that's how they're able to fly and soar through the air. Um, even though it's heavier, it's higher than those birds, kind of giving that illusion of like that purity, like this, like it's been blessed to be able to get that height. Yeah. I also noticed uh, the correlation when you said three birds with Bob Marley, three little birds. On <laughs> Look at my us throwing out all of these like media. Relations. Yeah. Well, that, that's like, gotta mean something, media. right? Mine are all like nonsense. I'm really in the Christmas spirit or I'm trying to be um, and also trying to deal with my own personal issues, hence my obsession with the good wife. And so, you know, it just influences me a lot. Um, Okay. Any final thoughts here on the Knight of Swords? Other than the fact that it's related somehow to Bob Marley and three little birds and I'm going to have to look into that now, what that means. But uh, no, I think we're good. The last thing I just wanted to point out because I didn't say it earlier was um, I love that he has two or or they right um, have swords in both hands, because if you're thinking about a, a animal jumping, right, a horse jumping again, I am not an equestrian at all, but um, you normally have to have one hand on a bridle or on the saddle or something. And it's like almost like he doesn't care. He's going to just go and he knows that he'll be able to hold on. So he has that belief there, which, again, I th- could come from the being green or having a lack of experience. Or like, no, I'm going to be able to do this. That's why I'm going to take two swords. Yeah, that could be the negative aspect of it. But I love that you brought this up because I actually thought about that earlier when you were talking about I forgot to bring it back up, that he is holding the two swords. And for me, that just is demonstrating his comfortability with the horse. And it goes back to you, what you were saying with the preparing and everything and getting ready. So this guy's trained, he's prepared, he's ready. He's one with this horse. It's like mm-hmm. the Mongols. If you ever, or if anyone that's listening to this and you get into the history of the Mongols, it's amazing what they used to be able to do or, you know, was said to do on their horses. They would 
It's kind of like Legolas from Lord of the Rings. Here we go. No, Lord of the Rings. Oh, reference. my but God. They're able to, like, hang off their horses under and shoot like that because they could hang on with their legs and stuff. They were they would basically live with their horses and they were one with them. So that's really what I think that's showing. You know, that's that preparedness in action. And you're, you're right. He doesn't he's not worried about holding on. He knows he's holding on with his legs. OK, now I'm ready to move on. Um, are you ready to move on? I am ready to move on. Yeah. Okay. So um, what else we've been doing is looking at the different um, uh, portrayals of a certain number in the minor arcana suits. So we're going to be looking at the sixes today. What does the number six mean? And then we're going to look at the six of cups, the six of swords, the six of pentacles, the six of wands. Um, Okay. So actually, you know, I really liked what we did last week in terms of looking at the number first and then tying it into the cards as opposed to doing it later. So I want to do that again. Um, so we've already kind of delved into the number six. You can always go back and listen to that, but just kind of as a review, um, I give a lot of personal like uh human traits to a, a number um you can look up your own number in there's lots of ways of doing that but so um and if you listen back to any of the podcasts i identify myself as pretty much every number um so the number six uh the number six let me see what can i do here so it's considered a perfect number because it's a sum of all of its divisors um, so, you know, three and three and two, four and two and one and five, um, it's associated with harmony and balance. It's about responsibility, security, living a harmonious life at home. Um, and this person would be like a homebody who is focused on relationships with friends and family over like material things. So they're more about the spending time and quality time with people, which honestly, just listeners, if you haven't taken a quiz that talks about the, your love language, I definitely suggest doing that because that really helps be successful in what your expectations of other people are, just as I'm digressing here. But this person who would probably have a love language of quality time as opposed to gift giving or gift receiving um, so why don't you explain a little bit what what each of those is just really quickly yeah yeah absolutely so there's five different love languages there's quality time which is obviously spending uh, time with that person and devoting some of your life to them kind of in without being influenced um or distracted by something else there's gift giving so that's somebody that likes to either give gifts or receive gifts it's a little bit more materialistic like this is a physical representation of my love there's words of affirmation so that's somebody who's going to always verbally tell you exactly what they're thinking or how they're feeling or that's what they want in return from you they want to constantly be told how much you love them or that you think that they're beautiful or pretty or whatever um there is physical touch that's somebody that will show that they love you by kind of always having their hands on you like a hug or um their arm around you or just always wanting to have like some kind of physical contact with you and vice versa then would want you to showcase your love that way um and the last one, which I saved for last because this is my love language, is acts of service. So this is I show my love and appreciation for people by doing things for them and helping to take care of them. And then vice versa. That's how I like to be shown love, because for me, it helps alleviate some of the stressors in my life. So they'll do something for me that is not asked. Um, I'm not asking for a favor. They'll anticipate my needs and be able to do that for me. So those are the five different love languages. Um and so for a number six, their love language would be um, uh, 
quality time. Not saying that they don't enjoy anything else. Like they do enjoy, you know, gifts and things like that. Um, but they're not going to sacrifice time with their, their loved ones and friends and family to be able to get the material success needed, the money needed to buy those gifts. Um, and what else can I say about a six? Um, so normally if they're, they're all about home and life balance, this is going to be somebody that a lot of times could be considered like a homemaker is really connected with making sure that the home is a place for um, people to connect and want to gravitate towards. Um, but it also could be like medicine and caregiving because they do want to show that, you know, home is where the heart is as opposed to like home is this physical location. Um, this also would be like a person that would be maybe a teacher um, kind of giving that safe spot for kids to have a learning in, uh, environment. And um, yeah, I think that's all I have to say about the number six. The card, uh, oh, you always talk about the major arcana card here. And the major arcana card that relates to six is the lovers, which is a great kind of representation of what I was just saying, kind of this, um, you know, quality time, the two figures are together and the you know, not like all over each other, if you're thinking of the word lover, right? But it's kind of like they're spending this time together and making this um, this place that they're at their home. Yeah, very well said. And I like what you said about the different love languages because it reminds me of the different personality types when you talk about like Myers-Briggs because yes. each person expresses their self differently. So I'm sure it has a lot to do with that and it's the same thing where it's like if you talk about introversion or extroversion if someone's an introvert or an extrovert it doesn't mean if someone's an introvert it doesn't mean that they don't like to go out or they won't go out and be around other people it just means that they their preferred state is to be either by themselves or like in, in a one-on-one -on -one situation that's how they kind of recharge so it's not like a all the way thing it's it's just a, a, a preference I guess you could say mm-hmm and um, I identify so much with my Meyer Briggs uh, personality and I love watching, I watch a lot of YouTube videos of like the, those personality types and different things like a job <laughs> interview or um, as a girlfriend or um, anything like that. I think it's so funny because it's so spot on and you only get like a little snippet of what your personality would be like, but you're like, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, and I think if we, if we didn't talk about the number six and the negative connotation, the kind of negative publicity that it gets, I guess, you know, we wouldn't be doing our jobs either. And I, I think it's cool because so everyone thinks like, you know, six is the number of the beast. It's the evil number. Oh, look, for, Izzy is getting so upset. Yeah, Don't see? say it. Don't say it. She's already getting fired up. Um, I, and I think there was a deception actually, because of some of the research I've done, and just some of my own, you know, intuitional thinking here, I kind of think that nine is really the nefarious number, but you know, we were just, there's just a, uh, the old switcheroo was pulled. They just pulled it upside down because if you think about this, right. So three sixes, six, 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 they say that's the real number of the beast. If you add that up, that's 18, one and eight is nine. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's your first clue. There's nine. The other clue, well, the other clue is the six upside down is nine. Um, the other one is that nine is actually the number of the ego. If you look at what it, uh, numerology, what it means, especially if you look at the occult and some kind of like sometimes Satanism, the way they look at the number nine, because 
of its mathematical properties mostly. So if you take nine, did I talk about this before on the podcast? I'm not sure if I talked about this, but nine is the number of the ego. And every time, wait, depends on what you're saying. Are you saying that anytime you, you multiply it by itself, the summation of those numbers equals nine? Yep. That, and then also if you add anything to nine, it comes back to that number. So six plus nine is 15. One plus five is six. Mm -hmm. Any number. Nine plus 10 is 19. One plus nine is 10. Yeah, that's crazy. It's one of those, like, you don't want to think too much about it because you're like, huh, something there. You're like, no, you do want to think about it. (laughs) Are you back? Yeah, I'm here. Did you hear me? No, we'd just say. I said that you don't want to think too much about that because it just seems like there's something there. And then I said that you were probably saying, no, you do want to think about that because there is something (laughs) there. (laughs) I I think it's just a funny thing to, to look at and play with. Um... You know, and then if you look at nine, it's also the hermit and the hermit is ego because it's by itself. So you can kind of look at it by itself. But we'll talk about that more when it comes to nine. I just wanted to bring that up a little bit with the sixes. Mm-hmm. OK, so now we're going to look at the different representations of the sixes, sixes, uh, six of cups, six of swords, six of wands, six of pentacles. So we've already kind of looked at the six of cups and the six of swords. The six of cups is the card that has the house or like castle in the background. And you've got the two like little kid figures uh, and there's five cup or four cups at the bottom of the card. Each one has a flower and plant in it. And then the, one of the figures is giving the cup to another one of the figures. And then there's a cup on like a well or a um, like a column or something right next to them. And the six of swords is these two figures sitting in this boat gondola. And you've got this, um, boat driver kind of gearing them, uh, driving them, moving them towards this shore. And you've got these six swords vertically in the, in the boat. Um, what we haven't talked about is the six of wands or the six of pentacles. Six of Wands, you've got this figure seated uh, seated on a horse, and they're holding a wand in their right hand. Oh, yes, right hand. And then the five other wands look like they could be potentially carried by people to the left-hand side of the horse, but we can't see those figures. But the wand that the figure on the horse is carrying has, like, a laurel wreath around it, and then the figure has a laurel wreath on its head. Um and then the six of pentacles, it looks like a figure holding a, uh, a scale, like a balance in his left hand, and it is balanced, and giving money or crumbs or something to, to one, of, one person who's on their knees that looks like begging, and the other person, there's another person on their knees begging, and they're not giving anything to that person. And you've got the six pentacles kind of um, in an, like, framing the card up at the top three on the left-hand side, three across the top, and then two coming down on the right-hand side. I know I just had a whole bunch of numbers that doesn't eat up equal up to six, but it would be like three up and then two over to the right. And then one more down kind of looking like a backwards number seven. Um, Okay. So here are my thoughts on these cards. Um, I think that the card that kind of doesn't fit in here for me is the um, six of swords. The six of wands, the six of cups, the six of pentacles for me always all look as though they're like giving without looking to receive um, or celebrating that. Um, The six of swords looks very somber um, and it looks more like 
getting away from a bad time. And maybe those that's what the other ones are, right? If I'm saying that, then maybe the six of pentacles, this person that's getting these crumbs or these coins or something is trying to better themselves with that money and they're going to go and buy things. But um, the six of swords just looks like a, a retreat um, away from maybe a bad situation or something like that. Um, what were your thoughts? Um... Uh, yeah, I see what you're saying, but the so the Six of Pentacles though also looks like it could be showing some bad times, but just not for everybody. So it could be giving you that perspective of just because it's bad times for you doesn't mean it's bad times for everybody. So okay. it's not all all positive going on there. But I see what you're saying. I think if um you know the most positive of the cards is probably the Six of Cups. And then the most negative would be that six of swords. And then the other two, you know, the, the, the wands are kind of up there positive too, but we don't know what that celebration is about. So, you know, <laughs> right. hold our horses, huh. but, uh, <laughs> and then the other thing I like to say about the five, um, sorry, the six of pentacles is that I really see a lot going on here with kind of, like what's fair, who decides what's fair, equality, all that kind of stuff. Um, because you have this one person who's looks like they're well off, they're very well dressed, and it looks like they're the ones who are deciding what's right and who gets what. Outside, you know, you could see that oh, kind absolutely. of castle in the background, so they're if out you, there. If you wanted to kind of make a connection, the figure that's kind of doling these things out, holding the scales in the um in the six of pentacles could be the figure from the six of wands. They're both wearing like a red cloak in the six of wands. He has this laurel wreath on, which for me obviously is a symbol of victory and maybe overcoming of foes or the winning of something. And so maybe that then put him into a position of power to decide who gets what and how things are going to be divided up in that society. Yeah. Or just the mere fact that he did the work that he had to do, which the six of pentacles could symbolize to get there. And now that he did, you know, like he went through the five. We talk about what the fives are. Now he's at six. And um, now he that means he gets to be the one who does decide because he has done that work. He's put in that effort and he's worked his way up. And now he and the good thing about it is, too, is not only does he have that power, but he is actually it looks like you could interpret that he's trying to help people that are less fortunate than him. Mm hmm. Absolutely. And then if I'm going off the castle in the background of the six of pentacles, I tied that into the six of cups because it kind of looks like it could be the castle in the background of the six of cups. And maybe it's one of those situations where this new leader, this new figure is kind of ruling by example. And then these this one figure with the red hood, similar to the red cloak, is then the one doling out and giving this cup. Uh, bestowing a gift on this other figure so maybe they're not familial maybe they're not related maybe it's going to give you know giving more to a certain class or a certain person or a certain type of people yeah and i also love how the six of cups echoes the six of pentacles sentiment with the sharing and the giving but it just mm -hmm. shows it in a different context yep and you know what? Honestly, now now I'm making this whole through line here. I'm making a whole story about all of these. Perhaps then we can't to go back to what you were saying about sixes. You know, we wouldn't be we'd be doing a disservice if we don't talk about the negative part of it. Perhaps then that is the meaning of the six of swords. There is this new power that's come in and kind of is able to disperse the wealth amongst 
the needy, but the reality is to the victor go the spoils, but for the losers, maybe they are then being cast out and need to leave and go somewhere else because they're no longer welcome. They were the losers. They do need to leave then this place that they were living and they're kind of then going to be refugees somewhere else. Yeah. And what do they take with them? Their swords, their ideas. So you can look at that in different contexts too, because that can even be nefarious. You know, it could be that you vanquished this foe, but then they took their fucking ideas and their, their um, planning and their, all their uh, wickedry or whatever to go mm-hmm. somewhere else. But yeah, you know, it's just me. <laughs> I like that. It does look like they could all tell a story. I mean, you could probably put all these together and just make a comic out of it. Absolutely. And, you know, and if I'm looking at this picture, then going back to the Six of Swords, what I see in the background is I don't see any structures. I don't see any type of um, buildings or anything like that. So, again, moving away maybe then from the civilization and maybe they're going to be refugees somewhere like uh, religious refugees like our friends, the Puritans. Yeah. Liberty, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Liberty Rock, yeah, wow, I'm thinking too much in Milford, um, Plymouth Rock, there we go. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're making that city on a hill. That was a, a John Winthrop um, <laughs> sermon, I'm sorry, okay, I got way too deep into that. Okay, so those are my thoughts, <laughs> no, no more thoughts here on the number six. And these Are they the thoughts. original socialists in this country, didn't they try socialism first and then it failed and they almost starved, or am I just... Making that up. <laughs> well, I think it depends on your definition of socialism. <laughs> oh God! All right. Anyway, let's end the let's end the episode. <laughs> okay. All right. So next week we're talking about the number seven, um, lucky number seven, and then I was correct, and Brandon, you were also correct last week. We are moving into the suit of pentacles. So this is going to be the ace of pentacles. We've kind of already talked about the number one, but we haven't really delved into that particular suit and what it represents and what those people would normally look like and the signs associated with and all that kind of good stuff so that's what we'll be doing next week ace of pentacles awesome i cannot wait um (laughs) i don't know what else to say uh all right guys go to terrible.com and check us out for more you can hey it's holiday season go to comedylol.com for uh, to get to our Amazon portal, click on the Amazon link and do all your shopping. Uh, I don't know. Anything else you want to say there, Ashley, before we get out of here? No, but I am really excited because by the time our next episode comes out, we will probably be recording episodes together. So for all of our listeners, this will be the very first time that we're recording an episode in the same room. Yeah. As Stay opposed tuned to 3,000 miles away. <laughs> yeah, I cannot wait. It's going to be crazy. Or it's just going to be like us. Uh, no, I think we'll be all right. <laughs> all right, guys. Until next week, stay terrible. Comedy LOL Podcast Network.